When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express Card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Mike and I are both from Texas. So, of course, we've got to talk about Tex-Mex food. We have to. This is exciting. My name is Eva Longoria. And I am Maite Gomez Rejon. And welcome to Hungry Hungry for for History, History. a podcast that explores our past and present through food. On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho. It's been a thing for me in my marriage because I call Tex-Mex, for me, is Mexican food. Like, I've always called it Mexican food in Texas. And my husband, who's a Mexican national, um, we fight about a lot of things. As we've talked about many times on the podcast, flour tortillas versus corn tortillas, the burrito, breakfast tacos. Like, there's just so much. And I... I remember when I moved to Los Angeles was the first time I heard the word Tex-Mex in the like culinary lexicon. I was just like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's Mexican food from Texas. Well, yeah, it's Tex-Mex. Like I didn't really consider it a whole different thing until I really got versed in in gastronomy and I realized, oh my God, it is a, it's a, it's a whole ca- category in itself. It's a regional cuisine. It is its own thing, 100%. Because even me growing up in Laredo, first generation, the food that we had at the house was more Mexican food, not necessarily Tex-Mex, right? But of course, it's Laredo, so it is part of that culture. So basically, South Texas, it's, it's a regional cuisine. It's one of the oldest cuisines of the area, right? And originally, it's Texas Mexican food, and like the rest of the, the you know pre-colonial food in the rest of Mexico, it was mostly plant-based with lots of prickly pear and pecans and venison and turkey, and it didn't become this sort of yellow cheese, greasy, fried food until post-conquest, right? And the term Tex-Mex didn't really appear until 1972. So not yeah, that long ago. Yeah, because I don't remember it. I mean, I, I know we're talking like conquest and 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 stuff like that, but I don't remember hearing it 
as an antiquated word. Tex-Mex seems very modern, the word, mo- word Tex-Mex. It is. It is. And actually, Diana Kennedy, who we talked about in one of the episodes, the British-born authority on Mexican food, she was the one that first used the word Tex-Mex in the 70s. She was basically making a clear distinction between Mexican food and everything made north of the border. And it was sort of Mm -hmm. dismissive. It's like, this is real, and that's Tex-Mex. But Tex-Mex food is centuries-old cuisine. This Tex-Mex food that has a lot of cheese, yellow cheese, and fried and all of that is an Anglo contribution to the food. Because this, the, the first sort of Tex-Mex restaurants appeared, uh-huh. or what, what is called Tex-Mex now, appeared in San Antonio soon after Texas became part of the U.S. And the Mexicans were being driven out of the city, but all of the Americans that were going to the city on the Tex-Mex Railroad um, loved the Mexican food. They just didn't like Mexicans. They liked their food. Whoa, okay. In 1900, there was a restaurateur from the Midwest. His name was Otis Farnsworth, and he opened up a restaurant called the original Mexican restaurant in the San Antonio Riverwalk, right? So Mm -hmm. he created this sort of model for Tex-Mex restaurants and people loved it. That's the first time that we see like the combo plates. You know, you have like an enchilada (laughs) and the beans and the rice. And you're like, I want the number five and I want the number two, you know, that has these sort of combo plates. That's such a part of the Tex-Mex cuisine. And that was actually an idea of one of his employees, a Mexican employee, who was like, oh, let's do this so that non-Spanish-speaking Americans can then just see the pictures and order the number one or the number two. But the first sort of Tex-Mex restaurant was created by a Midwesterner, so not even a Mexican. But in San Antonio, in San Antonio. So, so would you say San Antonio's the the cradle of uh, <laughs> Tex-Mex? Yes. And and actually the people that really put Texas Mexican food on the map were the San Antonio Chili Queens. Who are the San Antonio Chili Queens? They were these amazing women that in the 1800s would actually make Chili, which is a big part of, Me- of Tex-Mex cuisine, is chili. So these women would actually make chili, which is basically meat with, it's basically a mole, but more just with chile. It's more a, a sort of a simple mole. And then they would actually sell them, make it at home. And this was their home cooking, right? Basically, the original Tex-Mex is like home cooking. So they mm-hmm. would take this to the plazas in San Antonio and people that were coming into the city, it was such a hub for tourists and it was like, oh, the, this new Mexican world. And they were introducing this Mexican food to this Anglo population. And it was called carne con chile. And they would serve the carne con chile with a flour tortilla and the, a cup of coffee. The carne, carne con chile or chile con carne? Originally, it was called carne con chile, and oh then it gosh. became anglicized into chili con carne, and then it was just uh-huh. chili, and then it was just yeah. chili. So they would make it at home and then like load it onto their wagons and then go sell it to uh, tourists mostly, right? 
It was tourists. It was people coming through the city, right? And this was a big part of the allure of going to San Antonio is to taste the chili from these women. And they really sort of, they became famous. Everybody wanted to taste the food of these women. Um, And they were these like sort of badass women. And sometimes they would play guitar and they were said to have, you know, rolled their own cigarettes with, you know, tobacco and they would roll it in corn husks. But they were these just incredible businesswomen and they created this sort of mystique of the Mexican senorita. It was the San Antonio Chili Queens. They started in the 1800s and then eventually, you know, as time went on, as a lot more Anglos were moving into San Antonio. They were being pushed out of the area. First, they were sort of outside of the plazas because it seemed, you know, dirty or unsanitary. Um, And then, you know, in 1937 is when it was like, oh, these women, it's unsanitary. They were banned. And by 1943, they were completely banned. So we didn't see any of the chili queens um, selling their chili at all anymore. But they're... Their presence is well documented in like the newspapers, like San Antonio Daily Express in 1894 had a review of them. And they were talking about, you know, how these chili queens were jolly and they were so, they were like ever attentive. And so there's like all of this documentation about this food in 1894. Oh yeah, tons. And and then there were some food reviews that also were not favorable because they were like, oh, this is, you know, too hot, too spicy, too Mexican. One of the reviews was uh, the Chili Queen's food is fire bricks from Hades. So I'm assuming that I'm assuming that meant spicy. Uh, yeah, that, that's that, hell. Yeah, like, yo, this is, this is definitely from Hades. But oh also gosh. that um, I, I I can see it now because I've, I, you know, we're both from Texas. We have to take Texas history um, growing up. But how the upper class of San Antonio saw Mexican food as a threat to not only white workers, but like, the the standard of living, they were like, God forbid this becomes more popular than, you know, Anglo cuisine. And Absol- so exactly. I think that's really interesting how food and politics are pretty parallel in the birth of Tex-Mex food. Absolutely. There was this German-born man. His name was William uh-huh. Gebhardt, and he lived in, in New, uh, New Braunfels. It's like just, just outside of San Antonio. It's like half an hour away from San Antonio. And he used to go into San Antonio in the, you know, 1890s, early 1900s, and loved this chili from the Chili Queens. But it was fresh chiles. It was just really good home cooking. And he was like, ah, oh, I want to recreate this. So he developed a chili powder, the Gebhard chili powder, is a famous chili powder in Texas that a lot of people use in their chilies. Um, so he would go to San Antonio, he would taste his chilies, he would figure out how to weigh, he would then import chile anchos from San Luis Potosí, dehydrated these chiles. First he called this powder, chile powder, uh, Tampico dust. And then eventually mm-hmm. he made this powder and he developed this eagle chili powder This man, 1908, he published the first Tex-Mex cookbook. A German published the first sort of Texas-Mexican cookbook called Mexican Cooking to educate the American public about Mexican food. This is a German guy who did this. Yeah, yeah. 
He he was also the first person to make canned chili in 1908. Yeah. And his chili powder is still super famous. I mean, they sell it everywhere at the HEB. It's, right. like, it's like sort of the chili powder. The oldest one. But I, it is interesting that the reason he did that was because if you cooked with chi- fresh chiles, it had to be seasonal. And so he wanted to create a different way to have this spice all year round. And so I thought that was pretty uh innovative of him at the time to go, how do we keep this flavor year round? Because the chiles were limited seasonally. Exactly. Uh, Due due to the availability. And so, yeah, interesting. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand German settlements were alive and well in Texas. There's so much German heritage in Texas. That's That's why banda music is actually polka music. That's why Tejano music has a bit of polka in it because yes. it's German. Coming up next, Mike and I discuss the background and the idea of being Tejano. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations, como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Where did Tejano first come from? 
that that word? According to the Texas State Historical Association, it was defined in 1824, denoting a Texan of Mexican descent. So it's basically a Mexican Texan, a Texas Texan Mexican. And it can be, you know, a Tejano could be, like you said, Tejano music, Tejano art, Tejano cuisine. It could just be sort of anything from this area. But one thing that is really interesting, I think, about the area is that we think, you know, there have been indigenous populations in this area of northern Mexico. There's like 50 different indigenous nations that lived in the state of Texas even before the conquest, right? So there's the Tonkawas and the Comanches and the Carancawas, and it's all of these indigenous groups that when the Spanish came, they became Hispanicized and they Mm -hmm. became sort of Mexican, even though they have deeper roots than that. So this area is so, you know, complex. So a lot of Texans that identify themselves with being Mexican even predate when Texas was Mexico. Right. So it's so many layers and layers of history. So it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. Tejano could be that, you know, people that have these indigenous roots or it could be people like us. Right. You've been there for your family has been there for centuries. My family has been there since the 70s. Right. So not that Mm -hmm. long. I know you studied Chicano studies. Right. Is, Is sort of your thing. Is it the same? Chicano is more California-based. Um, it's a word I never heard of or used until I moved to a Los Angeles. And, I mean, Chicano was a politicized invention when they put it on a census one year to try to group together basically what we now call Latinos. And so they were like, let's put this word. And I think California Mexicans, which are different than Texas Mexicans, California Mexicans reclaimed the word Chicano and and made it their own. And so so Chicano became an identity that was full of pride and was powerful and, you know, really aggregated the Mexicans in California to not only unite against uh, policies that were targeted to tear down our communities, whether it was English classes or any other racist policies that were instilled in a certain time in California. But we kind of reclaimed the word and it is now evolved into something I'm very proud of. I'm proud to be called a Chicana um, because it is a word that is now has has a bigger spectrum of what it means. It has a bigger umbrella of what what is under it. But it is different than a Tejano because a Tejano is a Texas Mexican. And so I remember my first class getting my master's in Chicano studies and it was just clear that we were, were just such a diverse group that we're not monolithic, you know, all the Hispanics slash Latinos slash Latinx slash whatever we want to identify as right. were, were all so different and in the most beautiful way. And so absolutely. I think that the, where that's most reflected is in food. It is absolutely in food. Okay, so when we talk about Tex-Mex cuisine we're, and we talk about the yellow cheese, we're talking about cheddar cheese. And cheddar is not really used in Mexico. We don't it's, really it's see not, yellow you know, cheeses, yeah. Yeah, it's queso fresco, quesillo, which is also called queso Oaxaca, Oaxacan cheese. Um 
Mozzarella is used a lot in Mexico, more than cheddar. You don't see yellow cheeses at all, like in Mexico yet. No. You don't really mm-hmm. see, see, and it's probably in Texas, it was just more available, especially with the railroad, right? That it's easier to get yellow cheeses from the Midwest than it was to get cheeses from, from Mexico. So it was just more available. I just get really mad that Tex-Mex food is really defined by this yellow cheese, which is very processed American cheese. And I'm like, I wish Tex-Mex was known for something else. Because <laughs> it's like popular Tex-Mex foods, queso number one. Number one oh, yeah. is queso. Yeah, totally. And so I I just feel like, you know, the definition of, of a lot of Tex-Mex food is this highly processed American cheese. So can we make the correlation that it's not the healthiest? <laughs> it's not the healthiest because it has become not the healthiest, but the original food of the region, it does not have the yellow cheese and does not have all of this stuff. It's this home cooking that's a lot of, you know, mostly plant-based, just like most other Mexican food. The yellow cheese and the you know, deep frying and the all of that, that's much more of an Anglo addition to the food of the region. Mm-hmm. Kraft cheese uh, invented by James Kraft in the 1910s. And he invented this method that involved heating the cheddar cheese and whipping air into it. And then it made it more shelf stable, which we like to call processed. Exactly. <laughs> so that so that yeah. it could be it could be shipped. And Velveeta is like the culmination of his dream to produce this like uh, creamy consumer friendly cheese, but that has a lot of things in it. It's highly processed. It lasts forever. And so it was it worked. It was easy for people. You don't have to go to the store that often and it's just it's it's he developed this this stuff. And there are early, you know, cookbooks like Junior League cookbooks, Ladies Club cookbooks from the area or from Texas um, with recipes for Velveeta or American cheese, which is this cheddar cheese that we're talking about, suggesting that people of all classes ate it, right? So it's so interesting when it become, food becomes a class thing, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, everybody eats this, this yellow cheese. <laughs> After the break, we're going to talk about some of our most popular Tex-Mex dishes. Oh, and the Frito pie. Don't go anywhere. When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations, como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. 
No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I use Rotel in everything. I literally travel with Rotel because to have tomatoes and green chilies together in this beautiful marriage, you can put, I put it in my, in my refried beans. I put it in my charro beans. I put it in my queso. I put it in my fideo. I put it in my rice. I put Rotel in everything because it's so easy. And when I'm in a country like I am in Spain right now and they don't, have obviously a can of Rotel. I try to look for the ingredients separately and make my own Rotel. It doesn't come out the same. And I was reading that Rotel was birthed in Texas. Yeah. I had honestly had never even heard of Rotel before I started doing the Tex-Mex research. None. I've never heard of it. Now I have to get it. And it's this signature blend of tomatoes canned with spicy green chiles. It was invented by Carl Rotel in Elsa, Texas. I don't even know where Elsa, Texas is. Oh, I know where Elsa, Texas is. Where is it? In South Texas. Elsa, Texas is where where our ranch was. Like it's near Edinburgh and McAllen. It's like over there in Hidalgo County. Yeah, so it's super South Texas. But is this guy, so his name was Carl or Carlos? Carl Rotel, and it's it's spelled R-O-E-T-T-E-L-E. So spelled different. And then they, he thought that the customers would find it really difficult to pronounce his name. So it was shortened to Ro R-O-T-E-L. It's it's one of my favorite products to cook with. And maybe That's it's so because funny. I'm a te- I'm Tex-Mex. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's so funny. A couple of other I think Tex-Mex staples is the way we make enchiladas because there's enchiladas in Mexico, but I think enchiladas in Texas are super different than oh my gosh than enchiladas in Mexico. Completely right? different, yeah, completely different. I feel like enchiladas in Texas, it's mostly red, the red sauce. It's more cuminy, right? And they they have the yellow cheese, or they have the yellow cheese on top. In Mexico. There are so many other variations. There's the green ones, there's the mole enchiladas, there's the salsa verde, salsa roja, salsa, like different ones, but they're very different than the Texas ones. Yeah, if I make Mexican enchiladas, like 
in Mexico, I, I cook my chicken, I put it in my in my tomatillo salsa, I usually use a white cheese, mm-hmm. uh, I use crema mexicana, like it's definitely a different Not experience. Not sour cream. Not sour cream. Not sour when cream. When I cook in the States, there was this brand called Wolf Brand Chili. Did you eat Wolf Brand Chili growing up? I never had mm-hmm. chili growing up at home because in my house it was you know, more Mex, not the Tex-Mex. So I've never had canned chili. Like even to this day, I would have, well, maybe I have probably like going, you know, somewhere else. But yeah, I never had enchiladas with, with chili or anything like that. Oh my God, that's the only enchilada I knew. My mom would buy these cans of Wolf brand chili, which is chile con carne. And there was a recipe on the back of the can on how to make the enchiladas. And that's like, I've searched my whole life for Wolf Baron Chili. Um, there's a place that sells it in California, but it's mostly a Tex-Mex brand. Uh-huh. And you just heat up the chili and you cook your tortilla, roll it in the chili, top it with the yellow cheese. And it's delicious. My best friend from Texas, for her birthday, she always asks me, will you please make me Wolf Brand enchiladas? Oh, because really? That's, yeah, that's enchilada. Also, the thing that's very Texas- very Tejano, very Tex-Mex. For me, I grew up with it. Was the Frito pie? Frito Did you pie? grew up with the Frito pie? And school, not at home, but in school, in they school. used to have. It. It's basically a Frito bag. Open up the Frito bag, and then with a doll, with like a huge scoop of chili. It's the Tex-Mex chilaquiles. <laughs> the Frito pie is Tex-Mex yeah. chilaquiles. I didn't realize it was basically chilaquiles, you know, but it is. (laughs) But no, I love Frito pies. I had it every day for lunch, I think for four years straight in high school. school. And the fact that it was like a lunch item at school was like, I wonder if it still is. I mean, it's, that is, it's so Texas. They would slice the bag, the the, Uh the snack bag. So like the individual serving, you slice it on the side, not the top, the side. And you just pour your chili right into the Frito bag. Yeah. And then you put the cheese on it. I mean, honestly, anything with Frito, Fritos are the most delicious thing in the world, I have to say. I love Fritos. They're the best. Other Tex-Mex things, the puffy taco. Yes. Frying corn tortillas in general is a Tex-Mex thing. Not just for puffy tacos. I make, I, I fry my tortillas for a lot of things. Uh, and so I think that the frying of the corn tortilla is not Mexican. Mexicans just heat it up in the comal. But then you also have things like in Yucatan, you have the salbutes, and those are fried. It's basically like a puffy taco. They're fried mm-hmm. corn, masa. They're a little bit thicker, but it's the similar idea, right? So sort of frying it and then shaping it and also putting like the, you know, the sweated iceberg lettuce. Yeah. Yes. You know, all of that and the, and the puffy cheese. And there's also fajitas, of course. That's fajitas. a very Texas thing. Super Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex, Northern Mexico, which is grilled skirt, skirt steak. Although in, in, I don't know if that's, it's Tex-Mex, but also Northern Mexico, they just call it arrachera. So it's a different sort of thing. But it's basically, there's so much meat in the area. Um, Tex-Mex yeah. food is heavy, heavy, heavy meat. Well, we call, in Mexico, they call tostadas. We call chalupas. Chalupas. I yeah. love but chalupas. But it's the same thing, right? But it's the Otherwise, same. That one's the same thing. It's the thing. same thing. Yeah, just chalupas. Because yeah, I grew up calling them both, chalupas, tostadas, at home, it yeah, was tostadas. I, Outside, it was a chalupa, uh-uh. but it's the same thing. Here's the other thing. In Mexico, taquitos or tacos, taquitos, taquitos uh-huh. are the rolled flautas. flautas. We call them flautas. Yeah, yes. we call but them flautas, But in Mexico, flautas, they too. call them taquitos. Huh? And 
Mm. The other, probably my favorite, this is my favorite Tex-Mex food, is breakfast tacos. So breakfast tacos is like, there's like this whole controversy, right? San Antonio claims to have invented the breakfast taco. Austin claims to have invented the breakfast taco. But it's like, isn't breakfast, aren't they just like a thing? I mean, I remember there was a place in Laredo called Cotula. It was a restaurant. And they used to have like, their breakfast tacos were amazing. But it's just a flour tortilla, right? Right? With, I mean, how is it a text? That's why I don't understand how it's a Tex-Mex thing. Well, first of all, because it has a flour tortilla, right? Okay, so that's yeah. in itself. Yeah, that, that's okay. Because here's the thing. In Mexico, even in the north where they eat flour tortillas, in Monterrey, they're very thin and translucent. They're very mm-hmm. different. Tex-Mex flour tortillas are thick like a pita bread. They're thick like naan, like Indian yeah. bread, you know. They're thick. And so that in itself makes a breakfast taco very different. So you make, uh. the, which I make them every morning. I make breakfast tacos every morning. I I make my flour tortillas from scratch. They're very thick. And then you make potato and egg. You can make chorizo and egg. I make bean tacos every morning. And when you go in Texas, everybody has breakfast tacos in Texas. And it's a whole competition of like who, especially in San Antonio, where I also live, is like this competition of who has the best breakfast tacos. And it's like chorizo and egg are my favorite, bean tacos. Usually bean and cheese is super popular, but I do bean. Mm-hmm. I don't like the cheese. I There's this restaurant that every time I go to Laredo, I always have to go to. It's down the street from my house. It's called Danny's. And it's a, it's like a local a Laredo chain. They have the best breakfast tacos. I don't eat eggs, oh. but theirs, oh, yeah. I will eat yeah. eggs there. A la Mexicana oh. with chile. That's the only place that I'll eat eggs. But they have machacado, which is the dried shredded oh, beef. which is very northern. That's, that's, that's very, very northern. Yeah, that's yeah. very northern Mexico. In Laredo, you see it a lot as well. I don't know if you could mm-hmm. consider it Tex-Mex or if it's more northern Mexico, but in Laredo, you see a lot of machacado. And it's that cooked together in a breakfast taco. Oh, my God. It's a, it's It's amazing. It's the most mm-hmm. delicious thing. So, I guess it's more of a of a of a Laredo Tex-Mex thing because it's a the the, the tortilla. I normally like them really paper thin, but these are like thick and kind of chewy and delicious. I'm so happy y'all went on this uh, basically trip down memory lane with Mike and I <laughs> with Tex-Mex food. Tex-Mex, so good, so good. Thank you for listening. Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura podcast network. For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.